The Circle. Produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is tribal sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today. So that our people may live. This is The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. I am Ray Rowland, your Community Engagement Coordinator, along with Brandon Ekafee, our Communications Director. And we're here once again bringing you all the recent news, updates, and information from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. As always, we want to hear from you too, uh, the people for which we serve. So we're on Keeley twice a week. You can also catch our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have any questions, concerns, or topics you want us to discuss here on the show, reach out to us uh, via email or social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my email here is Raylan, that's R-A-Y-L-I-N dot Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D at G-P-T-C-H-B dot org. And so we're here again, and before we get into it too, just a reminder, our evening flu clinic at the Oyate Health Center has begun this week, uh, October 12th through the 14th and the 26th through the 28th from 4.30 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at the Oyate Health Center in Rapid City, as well as the COVID-19 vaccine. So if you haven't gotten your vaccine, give the folks at OHC a call and get you scheduled for that. And for a time that works for you, because they are doing the, I think, uh, weekends, or they might be doing as well, Brandon, I'm not sure. Check on that and get back to you with that on post on the Facebook. Um, and again, get your vaccine. The Pfizer boosters are available for those who have had their Pfizer vaccine six months or more ago. So if you need that and you got you you know qualify for the eligible requirements for that, also give OAC a call, a call to schedule that. And your their phone number there to call for that is 605-355-2500. And so this is the part of the show where we turn over to Brandon, give us our, our daily or weekly news and updates from the health board and OHC. What's going on, Brandon? That seems like it's a busy week, busy show today. I think we have a lot on the agenda. Um, Skyhawk Reborn debuted the other day um, on social media. I think we're going to play the audio of the full Skyhawk Reborn show today of the comic. Um, it's a program developed here under the Health Board, um, under the Great Plains Tribal Opioid Response Program, um, funded through SAMHSA, um, one of the many grants that are under the Health Board, but like we talked about last week, they created a pretty cool comic book, um, a fully animated series. Um, we played the trailer last week. We're going to play that today. Um, I think we're going to talk about some revenue generation, some more more good news coming out of the Yate Health Center on that front. Um, I think we have Lauren Shad, professional volleyball yep. player. Lauren Shad, professional volleyball player from France, I believe. It was Italy. 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 Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce the team's name. It's Nantes? Can't speak like Italian. I don't know. Can't She's speak Italian. Central graduate, Rhapsody Central graduate, yep. uh, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribal Citizen. San Diego State. Nike N7 ambassador. Um, again, professional volleyball player in Italy, but she created a vaccine, vaccine promotion video, just like Bulldogs, just like David Michaud's. Um, little different highlights than Bulldogs, but... Nonetheless, all the more impressive and exciting. Should be cool. Should be cool to play that video today. And then the other thing that I, I forgot to mention to you that we need to put on the agenda is the orientation that we have coming up in Rapid City. Um, 
that's primarily being organized by St. Kala Iring, um, our tribal governance liaison um, here at the tribe. Um, I mean, here at the tribe, here at the health board, but working with tribes across the region. So we'll, we'll talk about that, what's on that agenda and what that entails, but looking forward to a good show. All right. So like you said earlier, we're going to get into uh, Skyhawk Reborn, which is brought to you by the Tribal Opioid Response Team. Great Plains Tribal Great Opioid Plains Response Team. Uh, grant, they're funded through SAMHSA, um, working to raise awareness about the dangers of opioids in Indian country, um, really everywhere. You know, I think the opioids are a lot more present than they ever were when we were growing up and a lot of a lot of dangers, you know. I think just, I read the other day that the overdoses in Rapid City were related to counterfeit pills that were released with fentanyl. So, you know, and, you know, for me, you know, I don't even, I don't, never really been exposed to that, the, the pill side or the opioid side, you know, those who are struggling with pain, pain and all that, you know, whatever addiction, you know, led down that path. But, you know, I would have never known that that's how they were coming into town. Um, so, you know, for young people, you know, raising awareness, you know, this is what it looks like. This is what it can do to you. It's important, you know, work being done over there with Tosha and Stacey Eagle Elk, you know, who's the director there. She did an interview, a few interviews last week. Um, I saw it all over the Rhapsody News, but should we jump into it right now? Yep. So here is Skyhawk Reborn. Long ago, three great and powerful ancestors known as Beartooth, Brave Fox, and Skyhawk fought bravely to defeat the dark and mysterious force known as Shadow. After what came to be known as the Battle of the Ancestors, Shadow's essence was carefully sealed inside an amulet and hidden to protect the seven generations that followed. Before walking on, the Ancestors used the last of their energy to create a special cuff for each of their powers, courage, wisdom, and fortitude which could be used to defeat Shadow again, should his amulet ever be found. Over the centuries, the story of the Shadow Amulet and the Three Cuffs became that of legend, until now. I can't believe you've been gone a year already, brother. I miss you so much. I can help bury your pain, Cameron. Please, leave me alone. This amulet has the power to numb your emotions. Whether or not you wear it is your choice. It hurts so much. Cameron, there you are. Dude, you're not gonna believe what we found in the Badlands. Hold up, why have you been ignoring me and Dakota? I already told you guys, I don't feel like hanging out. Wait, what did you get that necklace? Uh, a friend gave it to me. Whoa, 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 whoever gave that thing to you is not your friend. Yeah, can't you see that it's poisoning you? You guys don't understand, it's helping me. Cameron! Where is it? What did you guys do with it? Dude, that necklace almost killed you. You're lucky to be alive. Give it back right now. I need it. No way, man. We care way too much about you. Fine. You don't want to give it back? I know where to get another one. Do you really think the legend is true? It is. Have faith. Oh, there it is. 
<laughs> you belong to me now. Let me go! Put him down, Shadow. Beartooth! Impossible! The ancestors died ages ago! Yes, but their courage remains. As does their wisdom. Brave Fox? Ha! <laughs> you two are nothing without Skyhawk. Prepare to succumb to the shadows. Cameron! Shadow, you will soon see the light of day. Skyhawk, no! Can it be destroyed? I'm afraid not, but you can choose not to wear it. The courage and wisdom of our ancestors will always be there to help you make the right choice. You gave me what I needed most, hope. Thank you both for everything. Like Shadow's amulet, opioids are extremely dangerous and addictive. Thankfully, with the support of friends and family and the strength of our ancestors, you can live an opioid-free life and forever be a hero to our people. All right, so that was Skyhawk Reborn. Again, brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Opioid Response Team, uh, Tosha Tuhart. If you want uh, more information on that program, you can contact Tosha Tuhart here at the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board at 605-721-1922. And to check out the, the episode and, and the artwork that goes along with that, you can um, check out our Facebook page. Um, we have it posted on there as well, Skyhawk Reborn. And so right now we're going to get in. We got a little bit of news coming from Oyate Health Center. Brandon, what's going on there and what's the latest? A few weeks ago we had, we on the show we talked about how the Oyate Health Center was becoming more efficient, better at collecting bills, um, cycling more patients through the doors, just driving that overall patient population up and finding ways to create revenue that could then be turned back into the programs to hire more doctors, more nurses, you know, to make wait times shorter, you know, get necessary equipment, you know, expand as we prepare to move into a new building in the next 18 to 20 months or so. But along that front, you know, when we did the report, you know, the the big news was, all right, you know, we hit the $7 million mark. Everyone was excited. That's great news. But we might have blown the top on off of this too soon because now that the fiscal year ended in September, we got a better idea of exactly where revenue generation is at the Oyate House Center. And the big news is they're expected to clear $10 million nice. in a COVID restricted year. You know, the, before, you know, when we came out last time, you know, they had collected, you know, 7.2 million. Um, there was still, um, certain amount of billing out, you know, over 10 million in billing those out. And 
as a month have come in, you know, last 45 days or so, we're looking at still having 11.5 million billed and already have collected 8.6 million, meaning that, you know, by time it's all said and done, that collection number is going to clear the $10 million mark. And the estimate for the Yachty House Center was at that $10 million pre-COVID, you know, what could be done pre-COVID. Despite COVID and all the hesitancy of people come, wanting to come in to get screened or people who are immunocompromising out of hospitals, those last COVID winter where there was less patients, seemingly less patients, the Yachty House Center still figured out a way to be efficient enough, to be effective at billing, to be effective at collecting, um, you know, from third-party billers, whether that be insurance or Medicaid or Medicare, um, and are going to clear $10 million in revenue in its first full year of operation despite a pandemic. And, and when you think about it, it's a tremendous accomplishment because how many other 638 programs out there, how many, you know, you know, programs that are like this operating under these kind of contracts are doing those things. The Yate House Center is proving that tribal governments, that tribal communities, that we have the talent amongst us to create a better health system than what IHS has provided for decades. And it's not, again, every time we say this, it's not about the employees at IHS, it's about the system they're forced to operate under. And the Yate House Center was kind of a test to see can tribes effectively manage their own healthcare programs or major healthcare systems? And you know, the, the, the neat thing that the Law Sioux Tribe did and the Shine River Sioux Tribe did was that they asked, asked the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board to manage this program on their behalf. And when they asked them, us as a third party, you know, a third party tribal organization to do that, it removed a lot of the political stalemates and uh, you know, the pettiness that sometimes comes along with, with turning one of these programs or acquiring these programs for the tribe. And with tribal government, you know, kind of stepping aside and supporting what the health board has done and saying, okay, we, you know, we believe that you have ability management, you're a tribally run program, you're made up of our people, we're going to have faith in you, we're going to sit back and see what you can do to make this healthcare system better. And the rising number of patients, the rising revenue, the increased number of tribal citizens working in professional, you know, having an introduction into the healthcare professions um, and a new building coming. This is might be the model for the whole area because if it can work in Rapid City where there's always, you know, there's multiple tribes involved, you know, so, you know multiple, I guess, personalities sometimes becoming involved mm -hmm. and the ability of the Oyate Health Center, their administration, their staff to overcome all that you know, even rumors, you know, early on there's a rumor that that Oyate Health Center was in debt $5 million. Don't know where these rumors come from, you know, like they do for some reason. Well, you know, there's always people out there who don't want to see travel programs succeed. Sure. But, you know, despite all that nonsense, despite being sued multiple times over nonsense that we knew would be thrown out, you know, get those court cases, they were thrown out, you know, a pandemic, you know, struggling to keep staff happy, not burnt, let them get burnt out right now. And, you know, we're still struggling with that. But the efficiency of the staff, the effectiveness of the billers, the leadership that has been provided at the Oyate Health Center cleared the way for $10 million in revenue. And to me, you know, that's pretty, pretty impressive, you know, considering what people thought was going to come of this. 
and when you look really when you jump back into the reports that, that you know that's kind of the 30,000 foot view you know you see the 10 million revenue but what we're finding is there's still a lot of money being left on the table and so despite not having enough space you know before we move into the new building you know despite all these other restrictions COVID restrictions we're still finding ways to uncover more revenue to increase programs so when you look at the current population at the Oyate Health Center current patient population about 55 percent of our population is uninsured that goes up there so you know while 45 percent of the patients are insured you know they get billed for third party it's obvious that for us a benefit would be to get the remaining 55 percent enrolled in some kind of health care coverage whether it be Medicaid Medicare whether it be private insurance you know if they're veterans you know making sure they're taken care of by the VA and working to where more of our patients have health care coverage that could be billed that could be charged you know and, and most you know at no cost to them you know if you're eligible for Medicare and Medicaid they get you signed up if you're eligible for um, cheap insurance through the marketplace they get you signed up if you're someone who's a high-risk patient who needs to be seen many many times you know the health board has their tribal sponsorship program where they buy private insurance for you in anticipation that you're going to come and you're going to be billing your insurance and that's going to be bringing in more revenue so driving that that number of uninsured patients down while providing coverage and more effective care for the remainder of those patients is a really really good way to generate more revenue and when you look at it you know if we're at 55 percent of our patients are uninsured what happens when it's 60 percent insured what happens when it's 65 percent insured what happens when it's 70 percent insured where are those revenue numbers really going to go and this is all within the confines of that old time susan facility there you know where there's not a whole lot of room there isn't all these specialty clinics because they're limited by space so you jump into that new building next year where you bring on way way more providers where you get more and more people insured where you get more patient population through the roof you know what is the cap on that revenue is it 15 is it 20 is it 25 in a year you know those are possibilities under this model of care and then when you extrapolate that out okay so yeah, we made $10 million this year. Oyate House Center did a great job. We're celebrating that. What's it look like over a 10-year period to where, you know, one year they're hitting 15, one year they're hitting 18, one year they're hitting 20, one year they're hitting 25. You know, and over a 10-year period, you generate $250 million in revenue that's turned right back over into the system, you know, it kind of looks like we solved our healthcare issues because with that kind of revenue, with that kind of expansion, you know our people are going to get better coverage. You know our people are going to have more access to care. And it's all because we're finding ways to be efficient and, and manipulating and, and working this 638 model in a way that, that generates revenue so our people will have the care they need, the coverage they need, and, and it's exciting. And, you know, that's just one, one portion. The other place where we realize we're losing out on a whole lot of money a whole lot of revenue that could be cycled back into the system to create better care is in no-shows you know it's kind of a common occurrence across a lot of IHSs in the region and nationally that the no-show rate of patients showing up is high and 
let me explain to you why why that hurts a healthcare program. Yeah. So when we're fully staffed, there's an overhead cost of of X. You know, whatever that overhead cost is, you have all your doctors on, you have all your nurses on. In anticipation that you're going to have patients come in, the patients come in, they get seen, you know, you bill your third-party insurance, you bill Medicaid or whatever, the patient pays for their visit that way, you know, through that third party, that third-party revenue comes in, um, at no, of course, at no cost to the patient, you know, just finding ways to create revenue. And so when that patient doesn't show up for an appointment and the next patient doesn't show up for an appointment, we're paying all these providers or your healthcare organization is paying for the nurses, for the janitors, for all this staff to be there, but with no revenue coming in. And so as a healthcare org, you look at it, okay, so we're losing out on all this money. We're paying staff to sit around and do nothing because people are skipping out on appointments. It's important that we find ways to make sure people can reach their appointments. So that's why we have the texting service and the driver. And of course, there's a thousand other things that we can do and, and we're looking to be doing to make sure that that no share rate goes down. But, you know, I guess the message to to patients and and to people from our community is that when you skip out, you schedule a pay, uh, appointment with a provider and you skip out, you know, it kind of hurts that whole pool of resources that we're all asking each other to share from. So, you know, what's the creative ways? You know, a lot of times it's transportation. So that's how we hired Clayton Clifford to do the driving. Um, the texting service, that's why I put the texting service in to help remind patients, but there's still a lot to be done. Um, you know, we still know our, a lot of our patients have a hard time getting rides, um, you know, and any other type of different child care. It could be anything, you know. Of course, people miss appointments all the time and, and not any blame on any person, but finding ways to reduce those no-show rates will also drive the revenue up. So getting people insured, getting people covered, driving the no-show rate down are just two small things that even within our, our confines of even thinking of not expanding is how we could drive more revenue. And we anticipate in this coming year, even before we get into the new building, that that revenue is going to continue to go up. The other thing the health board has done a lot better job than past care providers is in recouping income. So there's kind of an art to recouping what's owed out there. You know, when they bill insurance or they bill Medicaid, they bill Medicare, you know, your coding has to be on point. Your billing people have to be able to follow up in the right way, um, knock on the right doors, create the right system so that money's starting to cycle back into the back into the, the healthcare org or the healthcare operation. And they're really good at the health board at doing that. You know, I saw a number, it was like 70% or 80% they're recouping on all billing that goes out. And that's great for any org, you know, whether you're a for-profit, non-profit, healthcare, you know, credit company, you know, bringing in that much of what you're owed out there is, is, is further testament to the efficiency of this organization, to how well it's operated, how well it's led, how the knowledge of people who work here, because without the knowledge of how to do collect, you know, of, of finding, of creating mechanisms for collection, that money is going to come in. So, you know, it, across the board at the health board, the bar set high and, and it's good. But um, I got some more numbers that, that go along with the revenue generation. The health board hired a, you know, one of the cool things you can do in a 638 is you can hire third party consultants to look at your operations from an outside perspective. You know, it removes the bias, you know, they don't, they don't care what it looks like. They just want to give you an assessment of what you're doing. 
and find ways to correct things. And they looked at the patient population. And what was strange is 12% of our patients account for 50% of the encounters. So out of a hundred, so let's just say our patient population is a hundred, 12 people account for half of the services, you know, and, and we call like at the health board, we like to call these people high risk patients because they're coming in a lot of times because, you know, obviously they need care, obviously something's going on. So they come in multiple times and then you start to look at the numbers, you know, on average, you know, our patients come in four times a year. That, that's what the average is. But we had, you know, 20 patients who came in more than 100 times a year. We had 956 patients who came in upwards of, of, of close to 50 times in a year. You know, and as, as those numbers go down, it starts to balance out. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at those patients who come in all the time, who have, always have some sort of issue that needs to be corrected or they need some kind of treatment. And so they come in, you know, up to upwards of 100 times a year. Well, those patients are, you know, the ones that obviously you need to increase care for. So you reduce those numbers, but also the ones you need to identify as probably needing third-party insurance or third-party coverage in some way, Medicare, Medicaid, so that, that you know, you know, they don't necessarily soak up all the resources, you know, or they, they contribute to the same pool. And, you know, so that's kind of a neat thing that, that's happening at the health board is recognizing how to, you know, provide coverage for, for people who come a lot. But, you know, it's neat. It, it's cool. It's cool to be able to hire a third-party consultant to come and say, hey, this needs to be corrected. Hey, this is what you guys are doing wrong. Or, you know, this is what you guys are doing really good. But, you know, the flexibility of being under a 638 contract creates cool opportunities and some some chances to generate revenue unlike any other native healthcare system in this region has ever done. Absolutely. And on top of that, too, one of the things that helps is the ability for us to look for funds outside the org as well. So there's lots of different programs like, you know, the opioid response team being one of them. So for us to be able to, to do these innovative things like Skyhawk, it, it you know it shows that there's so much more that we can do when we have the resources yeah you you pair the public health experience and the, the public health knowledge that's was under the health board prior to acquiring no yate health center and a lot of the education work and a lot of the efforts to 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 bring healthy messaging to the community was already happening it was just missing the direct care component that Oyate health center is now providing creating bridges between our grant programs and Oyate Health Center that operates under, you know, separate funding, um, IHS funding, to help each side's dollars stretch further and also be more effective is a cool part of this process also, you know. So we do, we do if we do a lot of good educating on, on opioid response, you know, the less, the less likely that we have a patient showing up at urgent care who's ODing or withdrawing, and, you know, and that saves money in the long run. You know, if we could help people be aware of the dangers of it without having them go get direct care, it helps to stretch those dollars further. So, you know, pairing the talents at the health board under their grant programs with the direct care at Doyate Health Center is, 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 is hopefully going to be effective in the years to come. Yeah, and again, we want everybody to be aware of the, you know, again, COVID-19 is still 
uh, a threat in Indian country. And as we move into the winter months, um, where we're going to be having a lot more holidays, you know, Christmas is coming up, L&I is coming up. So it's all a part of that. And we still encourage everybody out there to get your vaccine, get your booster. Um, a lot of, you know, interesting news, too, uh, that I've seen where Pfizer had put in for emergency use for 11 to 5-year-olds. So hopefully that'll be coming as well. Uh, and we have Lauren Shad. You want to give a little bit of a background on, on Lauren and how we hooked up with her? You know, the health board's been looking at, you know, I guess the health board, when you talk about this, has been sort of me, you, and Alicia's project, the communications team's project, to, to find effective influencers across Indian country who can help spread a positive message about the vaccine and hopefully help people with their, their worries about it. You know, and we reached out to Reg, um, to Ray Taken Live at first, Reg Charging. You know, he put out that tremendously popular and successful you know top 10 reasons why our people don't get vaccinated mm-hmm. then we then we got we looked up bulldog uh, we looked up david bulldog mashad pine ridge high school graduate thorpe graduate uh, south dakota state university graduate state champion wrestler you know this overall positive dude that a lot of people recognize and look up to around our communities and he gave us a positive message about the vaccine about his experience with it and you know, we wanted to find a a, a, a native woman from our community who, who could relate to our patient popu- to the patient population in Rapid City, but also to young girls across the region. And and we 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 scrolled, we looked, we looked, we looked, and you know we we saw Lauren Shad and um, in Rapid City. I think she's a little better known than she is in our reservation communities, but someone who you know, Cheyenne River Sioux tribal citizen. Um, I think she's. Um, Relate to some people in Standing Rock as well. Um, graduate from Central High School, just like a lot of the of our patients, uh, a lot of our younger patients who go to the Ate Health Center. Successfully went, um, completed four years of college at the University of San Diego, and then made the jump from Division One college volleyball on the West Coast. Because you know, you play volleyball on the West Coast, you know, it's right. a, it's a different level. You know, you got to be something special to play out there. And of course, Lauren's very special, very talented. You know obviously built for the sport you know tall lengthy athletic and from there she jumped from um, university of san diego to um, italy where she's playing professionally where volleyball is super popular where they pack the stadium every night for her professional games but what makes her story interesting is she was over there when it was hitting the fan right when, you know before we, we thought this yeah we, we were worried about this was going to be the end times and world war z stuff yeah. and you know of course you know a lot of people died and it's been absolutely horrible but you know she was there when it was we, we didn't know nothing there's no protection from vaccines and you know for her she she, she she talks about how she was excited to get vaccinated you know there wasn't hesitancy because she i think she lived through that you know the major lockdowns the seriousness the fear of dealing with all that and she shares her story with us um if you get to see the 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 visual or the the video side of it we have some highlights from her games that are pretty cool um but yeah i'll let you go ahead and play it and then we'll get into her message yeah, yeah. so we'll have the the um i mean the lauren shadow video will be up um tomorrow or later this week so you can check that out on our facebook page and also here's some audio from it right now uh lauren shad n7 ambassador professional volleyball player and uh shine river sioux tribal member Mintakiapi, Chante Weshte, Nape Chuzapie, La Lauren Chad, Imachiapie, La Cote Hemie. Hello, my relatives. I greet you with a good heart. 
My name is Lauren Shad, Nike N7 ambassador, professional volleyball player, and Healing the Globe ambassador for Red Ribbon Skirt Society. Today, I'm here to speak with you about why I chose to take the vaccine and how we as a community can protect our relatives. I wanted to make sure that I was able to protect my family as well as our loved ones by making sure that I was vaccinating myself and keeping them protected at all costs. I received my vaccine on my way home after my fourth season in France and I remember getting home and thinking when is when is the earliest that I can get it because I wanted to make sure that I was able to see my family after two weeks and after my full vaccination and that I would be able to spend time around them and feel comfortable in their presence because I took all the precautions to keep them safe and myself safe. I remember a very specific time in our season where um, more than 80% of the team contracted COVID and all of us were under the impression that because we were um, young athletic women, um, we would not get the symptoms as severe because that's what we were told. And what happened was that it was the exact opposite. I remember getting messages after messages about how much pain people were in and how scared they were because they weren't able to breathe. And in that moment, um, just looking at all the information in front of me, seeing how it affected my teammates and hearing about how it affected my homelands and my family back home, I wanted to make sure that um, I was able to take the precautions in protecting everyone around me and doing my part and um, take a responsibility for my health and protecting those around me. So that's why I chose to take the vaccine. Since I was young, my mother always told me that we had to be good relatives to one another and make sure that we're taking care of one another. So I've always really taken that to heart in the decisions that I make and the responsibility I feel for my community. And I think this is just a very small step that we as Indigenous peoples can take to protect one another. And um, I'm very proud to be vaccinated and I am proud to know that I am protecting those around me. So I hope that by sharing my story today, um, you feel a bit more at ease and a bit more comfortable in your process of taking the vaccine. I hope this helped and I am looking forward to seeing all of my indigenous relatives and my communities soon. And um, thank you so much for listening. All right, so again, that was Lauren Shad, N7 ambassador for Nike as well as a Cheyenne River Sioux tribal member here in, in South Dakota. Uh, so again, if you have any questions or want to schedule your appointment or, or want to get the booster as well, if you are you have received Pfizer within the last six months or more, contact Oyate Health Center here in Rapid City at 605-355-2500 and get with your primary care provider too and go to any sort of local uh, tribal health center. And so right now, um, you know, Information too that we got coming out, staying in the sports realm. L and I is coming up. So are we? Ha- is L and I go? You know, the last week I, I went to a meeting of the L and I board of directors. Uh, they reached out to the health board, reached out to the Yate Health Center to see what kind of support we could provide them in this COVID era. But you know, you can hear in the voice, it sounds like Lakota Nation Invitational Basketball is going to be moving ahead with the help of the Yate Health Center providing testing. Um, access to vaccines and some public health messaging during the event. Um, you know, I, I, unless things really, really change, you know, it sounds like that the board of directors is excited to move forward. And, you know, as a community, you know, as a basketball fan, I, I couldn't be more excited. But, you know, the health board, you know, we said that, you know, they reached out, what can we do? Um, 
you know, we're going to be providing on-site testing, um, three locations. I think we'll probably be in the old school Barnett Arena, in the new monument, and then over in the ice arena. Um, you know, we're talking about possibly having the, the mobile clinic set up outside. Um, those details are still being worked out, but, you know, our communications department, you know, we're tasked with creating some cool graphics, some cool information to share at the arena. And, I'll, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what we could do with that, that Jumbotron thing. You know, like you go to an yeah. NBA game or something, you hear the music, you have lights. You know, it's just cool to be a part of the process in, in any small way. I call it the Paha Sapa, Are- Paha Sapa Arena. I voted for Paha Sapa. That was Paha Sapa, so that's what I'm calling it. But anyway, yeah, LNI sounds like it's a go. Um, so, again, friendly reminder, I know you guys are tired of hearing of it. I'm tired of living it. So get your vaccination. Get your booster if you can. Um, if Yo, you guys have any questions, I, mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, Ray, but no. one thing that, that came up at the at that meeting that, that I think really should be commended is our young people who, who are playing on these sports. You know, the majority, like 90, close over 95% of them are vaccinated. And the reason awesome. why 95% plus, you know, probably rising are vaccinated is because they were willing to do what they needed to do to get back on the court. And they saw the vaccination as a way of doing that. You know, we saw Lakota Tech play all last year with the mask on. But if these young people are willing to, to do their part, you know, just so they can play, I, I think as fans and community members who say we support our youth, we back our youth, you know, we want them to be successful, we could do the same and just get vaccinated. So those out there, you know, you're a Hoops fan, you know, you're out there spouting conspiracy theories, you're out there saying crazy stuff, discouraging people to – not get vaccinated, you know, the time stops doing that now. I want to go to Illinois. Kids want to play, you know, kind of fed up yep. with people like that. Let's go. <laughs> get there. It's about, you know, it's past time. Um, and then w- one other thing that we got going on, too, in November, uh, which we'll kind of close with, is the Tribal Leaders Orientation. Is that what's going on? Kind of explain to us what that is. Sure. Every time there's an election cycle that goes through an Indian country, the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, we try to host an orientation for newly elected council members, newly elected tribal presidents, um, and even you know existing council members who, who don't quite understand what the health board does to come in, you know, learn about what we do, see what we do, look at the evidence of, of you know what we produce, the results of, of our efforts, um, meet with staff to see the capable people that live here, just to be on a, on a good standing that you know we all are working towards improving health across Indian country. And the contribution, or I guess the combination of of the public health knowledge here, the direct care knowledge here at the health board, the policy knowledge, in combination with the the influence of of tribal leaders, with the help of of the sovereign rights of our tribal nations, you know, what can be produced through that combination of efforts. And this year, you know, it's going to be cool. You know, me and you are going to be on. We're going to talk about our communications efforts. Uh, Charlie Aberesk, um, our in-house counsel, um, he's going to be talking about some legal foundations and Indian law principles in healthcare. Uh, we're going to be joined by Liz Carr from the Indian Health Service, the head of the Indian Health Service. I think, you know, one of the head people. Um, my sister, Stacy Ekafi, she's coming in from the Department of HHS, from the from directly from the secretary's office. Um, you know, I hate to brag about my sister, but, you know, usually when she comes into town, you know, that you're, you have the ear of the secretary. And, I, you oh, know, yeah. tribal leaders recognize that, but um, you know, I like to give that a shout out. You know, it's it's cool to have another Oglala that 
is out there doing big things right there in the secretary's office. But she will join us to talk with us about some of the advisory committee committees that are out there that tribal, these tribal leaders sit on that, you know, that work with the health board to sit on and, you know, just come learn about it, eat some good food, um, maybe win some door prizes, but it should be fun. Again, it's November 18th, um, 2021's at Kala Iring. Um, she's, she's kind of the head organizer behind that. So, you know, it'll be good. Awesome. Yep. All right. So we got uh, a good show coming up next week, too. We're going to try to get uh, Amanda Hill back in here, too, maybe to talk a little bit about uh, the programs that she's got going on. Uh, but that's pretty much it. And again, if, if you, the audience, want to, you know, have a, a topic of discussion um, talked about here on the show, you know, get a hold of us. That's why we're here. That's why we, we're doing these shows every week. So if you have any sort of information, updates, anything that you want to hear, Give us a call. Uh, you can give me a call here at 605-721-1922 or reach out to us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. So for uh, the Great Plains Tribal Leader South Board and the Oyate Health Center with Brandon Ekafi and myself, this has been The Circle here on Keeley Radio.